Recently, uh, in early June, I went to Ireland with a group of 10th grade students on pilgrimage. This was a group of recently confirmed students, and they undertook intentional spiritual travel as a means of helping them discern ways that God has worked within them, continues to work within them, and how they might open themselves up and participate more fully in God's work as a people who claim Jesus as Lord. This pilgrimage is really a first step in their lifelong endeavors as Christian pilgrims. And our second day in Ireland, we found ourselves in Glendalough at St. Kevin's Monastic City, south of Dublin in the Irish countryside. We were experiencing very cool temperatures, somewhere, I believe, in the upper 50s. It was windy, it was rainy, cloudy, and we were being guided through the ruins of the monastic city among the gravestones and the lush green scenery by uh, Father Michael, who was a delightful gentleman. And somewhere along the line, he began to lead us away from the monastic ruins to the foot of a small mountain. Where we were going, nobody knew. And we got to the base of the mountain. He looked at me and said, I'm, I'm not really sure how adventurous your group is. This pathway over here, pointing to the left, this pathway over here is probably the safest way up. And uh, I said to him, well, you know, I'm, I'm up for whatever you think is best. So Father Michael then turns to our group and addresses them, reciting a poem by Elizabeth Browning. Earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees it takes off his shoes. And then he went around reciting his own verses, noting all the different beauty around us, and kept going on with the refrain, take off your shoes. Then he began to lead us, not up the path, but up the side of the mountain in the rain. We were climbing rocks, trudging through mud, some of us sinking in mud, walking in moss or sliding on the moss, experiencing the occasional thorn, hanging on the trees in order to pull ourselves up the mountain in the rain. There was no path, and we had no clue where we were going. Did I mention it was raining? We were simply following a 72-year-old priest, 72, up the side of a mountain, and he was outpacing all of us. I was nervous about our safety, and I cannot say out loud what I was thinking when I noticed halfway up the mountain that six of our students had, in fact, taken off their shoes. Yes, they took the command literally. Who knew there were fundamentalists among us? About halfway up the mountain, after a period of anxiousness, wondering what this was all about, where we were going, if anyone was going to get hurt, I began to sense this energy among everyone else. It was, it was just palpable, positive energy. People were focused, they were smiling, they were committed and truly enjoying the moment. And as I noticed this, the clouds began to break, 
the rain stopped, and the sun began to shine on us. And I thought, I have no idea where we are going or what's going on. But God is with us. All will be well. And we continued our ascent. And shortly afterwards, we made it to the top of the mountain, finding our way to that path that started at the base. And we walked along the path at that point across the top of the mountain and came to our destination. There we stood on the top of this mountain, looking down a rugged valley lined with rocky terrain, lush green trees, emerald green grass, and in the middle of this valley was this beautiful lake, the upper lake of Glenlock, with deep, dark blue water. And the gray clouds swept by in the sky, and the sun kept trying to break through. We all stood looking down at the beauty, and one of the pilgrims turned to me and said, this is the Ireland that I've always imagined. And it was. It was beautiful. The struggle, the mud, the rocks, the thorns, the rain, the sore feet, the confusion, the anxious moments were all worth it. More so than if we took the pedestrian paved winding path. This was glory revealed. Our lives as individuals and as a community are something of a pilgrimage. We are in the middle of a spiritual walk, and we often have trouble seeing the end. We are among weeds, thorns, rocks, moss, branches. We see much that is wrong in the world. And with all the problems we see, with all the struggles we have, with all that we see that's going wrong in the world, we wonder how God can possibly set things right. We become anxious and impatient, waiting for God to act. Will it ever happen? Now, there are a lot of themes in Paul's letter to the Romans. Grace, law, justification, Christian responsibility. But Paul addressed this idea about God setting things right. And really, in this part of the letter to the Romans, this is some of Paul's finest work. And it reminds us that God is our creator, that we are children of God, that we are co-heirs with Christ, and we will have glory revealed to us. God will set things right. This may seem absurd to us at times, but not in light of the greater story. God, the creator of the world, gave us dominion, responsibility over creation. Human beings were created to reflect God's love and care in the world. And early on, human beings reject God. But God calls them back into covenant, marking the descendants of Abraham as God's people, setting them on course to bring creation back into order. And eventually God's people find themselves in bondage in Egypt. And God sets them free in order to be God's reflection in the world yet again. However, in that freedom, they didn't make it to the promised land right away. They were in the desert, learning once again what it means to reflect God in the world. And this story continues. And God's people continue to struggle to reflect God's glory into the world. And so God then sends Jesus Christ, who perfected the mission of God in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection, and began the process of recreating the world, a world where sin and death will be banished, a world where God's creation will be restored. This is the larger narrative. 
This is our story. In the letter to Romans, Paul draws a line from Adam to Abraham to Moses to Jesus. And today, Paul recalls themes of creation and exodus in order to remind us that we are part of this story and part of a new creation. And because we are in Christ, we are freed from the bondage of slavery found in sin. We are freed from death and we are redeemed. Because we are in Christ, we are children of God. And we are to reflect God in the world, just as God has intended since creation. Yet this recreation is not complete. Like those in the Exodus story, we are not yet in the promised land. One only needs to look around to see there are still many signs of corruption in God's creation. There are still many who struggle to overcome sin. There's still much blight and decay in the world. Abuse, poverty, greed, murder, war, they all still exist. And there are many who still turn away from the good news of God in Christ. Paul is no fool. He sees the same things we see and says, press on. We have been given the spirit and are to live as God's children. We are to live in anticipation of the kingdom. If we woke up tomorrow and found ourselves to be heirs to a specific kingdom and that we were going to be the next line in succession as king or queen somewhere, we would begin to live differently in preparation. And this is what Paul is after, to live in anticipation of God's kingdom. And this means that we do what Jesus taught us and what Paul outlined through this and many other letters. We are, continu- we are to continue as a community. We are con- to continue to reject what is good, excuse me, reject what is evil and, and, and love what is good in the world. We are to persevere in prayer, offer hospitality to strangers, offer comfort and strength to the weak, and bless those who persecute us. We are to live peaceably with all. And this is our struggle. This is the hard work, and it is often resisted in a world where Christianity is more and more marginalized. And what's more, we are still learning the best way to go about all this. We are still learning how to reflect God in the world. We were never given a set of rules for every set of circumstances. And we want answers. So we often feel inept. We often feel stuck, perhaps on the side of the mountain in the rain, with no path. Yet Paul continues to encourage us, saying, be patient, do not give up, Do not return to Egypt. Do not return to slavery. Do not walk back down that mountain. The entire cosmos belongs to God. A just God would not give up creation to sin. The work we do, the love we share, is not in vain. All of creation will be redeemed. This is a promise given to us by God, who has never failed us, despite our own failings. We see the first fruits of this promise in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. A Christian life is a lifelong pilgrimage. It involves suffering as Christ suffered. It involves hard work, feelings of futility, and we share the pain of the world. Yet we are given a promise. The rain will cease The sun will shine. 
we are promised that we will make it up to the top of that mountain and see God's final glory. And this glory means that we will participate in our Messiah's gracious, saving dominion over all creation. We will finally reflect God the way God intended. Creation will be restored. The hurt, the struggle, the pain, the loss, all of it will pale in comparison to the glory revealed. And this glory will be greater than anything our mind could imagine. That is the promise. That is the promise. And until then, we continue the work of new creation. We continue to find encouragement in Scripture. We continue to encounter Christ in community, Christ in our neighbors, and find inspiration in the grace and beauty of God's creation around us. Brothers and sisters, earth is being crammed with heaven, and all of creation is being renewed by God. Live in hope. Keep your pilgrimage alive. Take off your shoes.